this has nothing to do with my homily. Sometimes I do this, but um, this past week I was blessed to go uh, start going to the baseball practices. And on Friday morning, one thing I do every, every few days, I go work out. And then I came to the baseball practice. And after practice, one of the coaches said, you ready for the, the squall? You ready for the squall? And I thought like a giant bird was going to come at me. I had no idea what he was talking about. But boy, oh boy, when Friday night hit, I don't know where you were during Friday night, but squalls, not a huge fan. Just got to throw it out there. Not a huge fan of squalls. Uh, I was actually driving through it because I'm a man, and, uh, <laughs> and I have an F-150, and I thought that'd be a good idea. Uh, so I drove up to Kakana to go see some family friends, and uh, as I just about got to their house, I, was, I started braking like 50 feet in advance, and there's a car ahead of me. I thought 50 feet of braking would be enough, but it was not. And I was just about to nail them, and I'm like, Jesus, please help me stop. Okay, Jesus, I really want to stop. And I missed them. So praise the Lord for that. I hope I never have to go through a squall again. Um, I don't know how the squall was for you, but I'm not a huge fan. Um, I, don't, I still don't really know what a squall is, but I just thought I'd throw that out there for you. Um, yeah, just thought I'd talk about squalls. I felt it had to be mentioned. I don't know. Um, anyways, uh, so uh, a couple weeks ago, I told you that I was um, at spiritual reduction training. And as I was at spiritual reduction training, um, one of the priest who was leading us in a particular session, he said something that caught my ear, and I think it just really uh, will speak to us today too, and he's, he's a really holy priest. His name is Father Jim Rafferty, and he, he likes to tell it like it is, which is like my style. I'm like, thank you. I love that straightforward approach, uh, but one thing that he did is he talked about something that I think a lot of us can relate to, or maybe some of us, right? He said he was just having a simple conversation when he was 32. I think he's in his 50s now, so he's a little older. But he was having a conversation with, uh, with a brother priest. And the brother priest said something to him that if you would have missed it, he might not have seen where the Lord was drawing him in his relationship. And the older priest just said to him, you don't have a dad. You're kind of young not to have a dad. And Father Jim just talked about how when, when the priest said that, it just stirred something in his heart. And that's what we're called to do as Christians is, is really pay attention to what stirs in our heart. And as I was paying attention to that, he's just going forward, my heart was just drawn right back here. You know, I was, was drawn to, to college students. I, I thought of you all, and I thought, for a lot of us, like, you're really young not to have a mentor. You know, a lot of us are trying to figure out this, this thing called college and how do I keep my head above water, but on our own, you know, maybe if I could give you an image of what that might look like, it would look like someone who has no training in tightrope walking, right? Being asked with no training to walk across from one side of the Grand Canyon to the other and thinking that they could not, they're not going to fall, right? I, I don't know about you, but if you asked me to go do that, I, I would first of all take a step back and be like, uh, can anyone show me how to do this? And also, could you tell me why I should do this? Because going into college, it's, it's so easy just to fall off this, this narrow, narrow path called faith, this relationship with Jesus. I think for a lot of us, the question is to simply ask, um, is kind of what camp are you in? You know, a lot of us, we, we're in this, still in the stage of, what is my why? Like, why, why am I really Catholic? Like, why do I follow Jesus? Maybe that's where you're at. I know when I was in college, when I was a freshman, didn't really know much, so guess where I didn't go, which was church, right? Um, but during my sophomore year, I figured out why I was Catholic, and it was, it was ultimately uh, the Eucharist. Like, I just, I just couldn't comprehend that, and then I actually went to confession, 
and my life just started changing. But then what I need to go into is the second camp where I think some of us are at is how. Like, how do I do this? But the one thing I didn't do is I didn't want to have a mentor. I didn't even think of actually having somebody who might know more than me walk with me. You know, for those of us who are in that why stage, like why am I doing what I'm doing if that's a camp you're in? You know, a lot of times we need to be deeply convinced of what we do because there's so many temptations around us. Or maybe it's just me. I don't know, but like, I, I know what my why is, but sometimes I forget that and I have to go back to that every day. It's really, really important. But your why has to be more than just mom and dad raised me Catholic. Like that, when it comes to being forced, having someone put a beer in front of your face or putting something impure in front of your face or putting a temptation you know is not good for you in front of your face, mom and dad raised me Catholic is not a good enough why. And that's where I think a lot of us, we find ourselves sometimes like we're, 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 not, we're not there yet. And that, that's, that's okay. That's okay. But for those of us who are on that, on that path, where we're, we're seeing the need to be, to be mentored, you know, I wonder, are you asking that question, well, how do I do it? Like, how do I actually live this faith? Because so often we live in this culture that says you have to do it on your own. And, and that, like, if you are doing that, like, how, how is that going for you? But if you are being mentored, it's, it's so important to be patient. It's so important to just take things step by step. And that's just my question for tonight. And I, I like to ask a lot of questions as I preach, but like, what is your next step going to be this week? You know, a lot of us, we talk a good game, right? But I want you to maybe not talk for a second and ask the Lord, like, what is my next step supposed to be this week? Because every, every step towards something is also a step away from something. I think for a lot of us, the temptation is, is, is to go, go tightrope walking, right? But, you know, I want to walk the path of faith, but would you consider taking a step back and trying to see the, the bigger picture? Because at the other end of the tightrope would be what? Heaven, right? But in order to, to do this, in order to do this, we need mentors. It's something we call discipleship, being discipled. And Jesus, in our gospel today, it starts with a, some words I think a lot of us just need to quickly hear. He says, to you who hear. I hope you can hear. Because a, a lot of things are after your attention and after my attention that want our ear. So we listen to things that are not of God, right? Because if you and I have a good, a good, a good why, right? Well, very clearly... I'm going to do what Jesus tells me to do. But if the faith is just do what someone tells you to do, it's actually very repulsive. It's actually not even very attractive. It's like if it's just do things without a relationship, that's not Christianity. We find ourselves today in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. The apostles have been with him for a while now. They've seen him doing miracles. They, they know who Jesus is. They're not just following him because, because mom and dad told them to follow him, right? They're following him because they're, they're falling in love with him. And when Jesus says, love your enemies, but you also look at his life, he does it. He, he, he talks the talk, but he also walks the walk. You know, there's nothing harder than being around somebody who's hypocritical. Like, I'm, I'm very hypocritical. I don't try to be, but that's the hard part of being a sinner. 
But the, what the Lord, he's, he's drawing us to not rely upon ourselves. And he's drawing us to rely upon his grace, to rely upon his help. He says, do good to those who hate you. I don't know if you have anybody who hates you. Um, I'm, I'm sure I have about five people who hate me. Um, it's, it's really hard to think of good things I want to do to them when I see them. Because I'm broken and I'm fallen, just like you guys, right? I'm a priest, but I'm still broken and I'm still fallen. He even says, bless those who curse you. You know, I don't know if you have any people who are cursing you or who think very negatively of you, but does your, is your first thought like, how can I bless this person? Jesus is so different and our world tries to make him so bland. You know, and maybe, maybe your next step, you know, this week is, is to start praying daily for your enemies. That would be a good next step to take. Then also Jesus tells us to do some, some, some crazy things. He actually tells us to give without counting the costs. We need to live in a culture that says, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours, right? But this is like, just scratch my back, right? Super, super different. And that, like, do it, and I, I, I want nothing back, right? I want nothing in return. You know, how often do you and I give people things expecting something, you know? We actually have strings attached to what we do. You know, for example, if I gave you a $100 check, I said, you can do whatever you want to do with it. You're like, sweet, 100 bucks, let's go. But then... The next week, I say, hey, what'd you do with that $100? Like, that's none of my business. I gave it to you without attachments. That's what the Lord is asking us to do, to give without kind of cost. And that's, it's really, really hard, but it's also really, really cool when you do it because then you can see the Lord work. You know, it's just to give, just to give yourself away. And not live in fear and saying, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do, but the results are yours. And he's like, I actually want you to give so you can begin receiving. Maybe that's your next step, you know? How can I start giving without counting the cost? Because if you and I don't do that, if we just blend in, the Lord just kind of very naturally says, uh, even sinners do the same thing. And yes, you and I are sinners, but the Lord wants to transform us. He wants to transform us. And he says, if you do what I do, uh, you get the identity. And it's not that you earn it. But it's like when you act in accord with my will, when you act in accord with my word, when you take a step back, you get the identity. You're a child of God, which has been purchased for you on the cross. The identity has been purchased for you because he loved his enemies. He conquered sin. He conquered death because he'd rather be with you than without you for all eternity. And when I, I don't know when I, I don't know about you, but like I have to be convicted of many, many things. But if I'm going to give my life over to this, if I'm going to actually walk that tightrope, like, I got to be deeply convicted that it's, it's, it's worth it. I got I to be deeply convicted that it's worth it. And, and maybe a, a step for you this week would be just to ask the question, like, Jesus, I hear that you died for everyone, but, like, be honest with him. Just maybe ask him, why did you die for me? Like, specifically, reveal to me, Lord, in a way that I can understand. Make things simple, like, why did you die for me? And then the Lord says something difficult. He died for you because so you could be forgiven. We live in a world that is not too hot on forgiving. Jesus says, be merciful, just as your heavenly Father is merciful. We believe in a God that is Father, right? And he sent his only Son, the second person of Trinity, to die for us, to forgive us. So when you and I look at the cross, we would say, that's, that's part of my why. Because that love, I, it just wrecks me. It's not condemnation. 
the cross. It's not condemnation. It's a sign of the Father's love. So when you are having a bad day, you can go before him, and he still has his arms open to receive you, right? Head bowed down to embrace you and kiss you. Feet tied down just to wait for you forever. That's the God we believe in. And because when he was on the cross, he didn't judge other people, right? He said, stop judging one another. This has been like one of the hardest ones. And I don't know about you, but like we live in a culture that says, oh, they're vaccinated, they're not vaccinated. They're wearing a mask and they're, they are wearing a mask. And we immediately go to these assumptions and we start judging one another. But what we're doing is we're looking at the externals. But what the Lord says, how, how well do you know that person? You don't know them like I know them. If you knew what they were going through, maybe that's you tonight, maybe you're having a really hard time. Some of us have like some really, really big stuff going on inside of us. And if people just knew what we were going through, there's no way we would judge them. And, and it's really, really hard. And maybe that the next step for you this week is just take a step back and just when you see someone you're tempted to judge, this is what, what I do. I just say, Lord, I don't know them, but I know, I know you know them. And I had someone else who's mentoring me teach me that. You know, to forgive and you will be forgiven. There's so much freedom in, for, in forgiveness. And sometimes I think, no, they, that person hurt me. I'm not going to forgive them. And I just want to end with this little little statement for you. St. Augustine says, unforgiveness or holding grudges is like holding poison in your hand. You want the person who hurt you to suffer. But when you don't forgive them, you drink the poison. When you, for, when you do forgive them, you're set free. The poison's gone. And actually the power of the Holy Spirit fills you. You know, what do you and I need to do this? What we need is the Holy Spirit. You've heard me say it before if you've been around me. I have three simple words that I pray very often. It's just come Holy Spirit. You know, our Lord didn't come here to make our lives more difficult. Maybe some of us think that, but he didn't. He came here to love us. He came here to reveal the Father's love to us. Also, he came here so if you are suffering, you could actually relate to God now in a new way and unite your suffering with him. And sometimes the Holy Spirit says forward, right? Take a step toward me. But the Lord works mysteriously. Sometimes forward is actually taking a step back and looking at things differently. And if you have a mentor to walk with you and to show you and how, to, how to walk the walk and talk the talk as Jesus is mentoring his disciples, just think about how much different your life might look if this week maybe you take a step towards that. And you know, we have missionaries here. I do a little bit of mentoring. I'm not the best at it, but my best way I can do is by my example, right? And if you do that, the Lord says, I'm going to give you gifts. Like, I'm going to give you help. I'm going to give you gifts. And it says, good measure, packed together, shaken down, overflowing, will be poured into your lap. He just wants it, the, his, his love to rest on you, his Holy Spirit to fill you, so that you don't have to try so hard. But then he says, just, just remember, for the measure with which you measure will in return be measured out to you. Maybe you can extend that measure this week by simply starting to pray those words, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. When you're bored in class, come Holy Spirit. When you're tempted to judge someone, come Holy Spirit. When you're tempted to hold, withhold forgiveness, come Holy Spirit. Right? 
when you're tempted towards despair or towards temptation, come Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit will do is give you the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? Peace, joy, love, patience, which we all need to do this. So it's like a moment of silence and we're called to do is, you know, whatever you're, whatever's going on inside of you, the Lord's like, um, I want to help you. And you can place that on the altar. And what he wants to do through, through someone as weak as me is transform the bread and wine into his body and blood, but also transform you too. That's why we make an offering at every single Mass. And no, I still don't know what a squall is. <laughs> you know, I don't know what a squall is. But what I do know is that when you call upon the Holy Spirit, he always comes through. Even stronger than whatever a squall is or a squall ever will be. Amen.